0: on your monday episode of locked on raptors new year new raptors the raptors take down the phoenix suns on friday night we will dig into our takeaways from it including what does gary trent jr's 35 point game mean for the raptors in the big picture it's a big month for him ahead of the trade deadline we will examine whether or not you should even look at trading him if you're the raptors plus so much more coming out of the game against phoenix it's all coming up on today's episode of locked on raptors thanks for hanging What's going on? Welcome to episode number thirteen eleven of Locked On Raptors for Monday, January the second. Happy New Year, everybody! I'm your host Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work just by going over to Twitter, following me at Woodley Sean. The show is available at Locked On Raptors as well. You can also follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on all your favorite podcast apps of choice and. We are on YouTube as well. Maybe that's your podcast app of choice. We're in video every day. If you want to go support the show, just hit the big red subscribe button. It's a, it's a wonderful decision. It costs you no money, and you get notifications when I'm on your screen. What else could you want? Today's show is also brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. That's prizepix.com, promo code locked on. On all right on today's show, we bring in the new year by bringing back our usual tradition and cadence here on the show. It's a Big V Monday. Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com is here. We're going to dig into the Raptors' 113-104 win over the Phoenix Suns on Thursday? Friday? Who even knows what day it was? Because all the days this time of year are fake. Either way, Big V is here. How are you, my friend? Happy New Year! Happy New Year! (laughs) Happy New Year to everyone
1: (laughs) listening and watching. And yeah, it was nice to round out the year with a win, especially after the disappointing effort against the Grizzlies Mm -hmm. uh, and Again, we are, you know, in that same boat, hoping
0: that this one victory can <laughs> lead to many. <laughs> well, I, I, I would caution anyone who thinks, like, the blueprint from this game is the, the sort of blueprint forward for the Raptors to get their season back on the tracks. Because this was a wildly unsustainable effort. You get 27 turnovers out of the team that notably never turns the ball over. Uh, and you still need kind of down to crunch time to pull this one out despite a pretty good shooting effort and all that stuff. Uh, That's okay, though. We'll we'll get to dig into the sort of perhaps unsustainability and other takeaways we had from the game. But first, we should begin, I think with the biggest story from this game which was Gary Trent Jr having his best game of the season in my estimation yeah he had that big game against the Pelicans but they also got smacked by the Pelicans so this one came in a win I'm going to give this one the edge 35 points 5 boards 2 assists 3 steals a block 11 of 22 four of 11 from downtown 9 of 9 from the line this is Gary Trent this is like this is not does not feel like a Gary Trent Jr line but it sure was and Big V, first of all, thoughts on Gary Trent Jr.'s performance in this one. He gets back into the starting lineup for the first time in quite some time. I know we've kind of beaten the starting lineup horse to death at this point in terms of it being a talking point, and it just doesn't seem like there's ever going to be any sort of stasis in that starting five, so I've given up trying to care. But uh, Gary Trent Jr. making a case to perhaps be reinserted into the starting five. We'll get into the bigger picture implications as well, but sort of big takeaways from GCJ's third 35 five and two performance against the suns yeah he was
1: awesome i mean the suns really had no answer for him i loved his uh demeanor right at the beginning too there were a couple open shots that he missed and mm-hmm. then he made a three and you can mm-hmm. see he was kind of like okay like let's get <laughs> going like and <laughs> oh like, that I, old uh, gunner's sense i love it yeah yeah and pascal needs all the help he can get right now. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what I love the most about this game is in that fourth quarter, uh, Pascal checks in and within like a couple minutes, he just looks exhausted. And and it's like completely understandable because of the load he's been carrying Mm -hmm. uh, night after night. And so you got that feeling right then and there Mm -hmm. that, you know, he was really going to need someone else to come through for him. And then they were Mm -hmm. running sets for Gary and Gary delivered and Who knew Gary had a clutch pass in him? (laughs) In the corner.
0: (laughs) What happened there? Uh <laughs> just uh, that's the first three Christian Coloco's made pro or college. It's uh wild that it came in such a big spot, and it's wild that the assist maybe the most unlikely play in recent Toronto Raptors history. I would posit, uh, ridiculous. V, yeah, just insane. I
1: mean, uh, I'm pretty sure they got the alignment wrong on the floor. Uh, mm. they had run a similar play with about four minutes remaining. And mm-hmm. in that one, uh, it's OG and Scotty who are in the corners. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think they just, you know. But you're
0: saying they didn't intentionally have Christian Coloco <laughs> waiting for a catch and shoot in the corner? Hmm. <laughs>
1: and so, you know. Credit Gary for making the pass. You know, Mm -hmm. you would think him double teamed versus a Christian Coloco three. He might have still gone up with it and said, Mm -hmm. I'll take my chances. (laughs) But he didn't. (laughs) And credit Christian Coloco for being shot ready and saying, hey, there's really nothing left on the shot clock here. So Mm -hmm. I've got to get this up. And it was a good stroke. It was a good stroke. Um, And yeah, it was a big shot. It was a big shot by Scotty before that, uh, making the three as well. And that kind of pushed the lead uh, to a fairly safe place. Mm -hmm. Those two threes pretty much decided the game. So, um, yeah, just awesome to see other guys get it done um,
0: with Siakam, like, needing the support. It turns out when you give Pascal Siakam some help, a uh, pretty good team. They're going to win some games. And yeah, I, I, like Gary, it's hard to sort of overstate the necessity of his performance in that yeah. game. OG misses like 12 minutes of game time with foul trouble between the third and the fourth. That was massive, uh, you know. Obviously, Pascal for the like maybe the first time showing the uh, sort of toll of all that he's carried for this team. Uh, maybe that's something to keep an eye on. Maybe not. I, I, it's hard to say. It was a back to back, obviously. So you know, maybe still that finished sort of with twenty six. Still finished with 26, (laughs) unreasonably efficient, got to the line 10 times. You know, ho-hum, he's awesome. Uh, Was a plus 20 for the Raptors in this game. Siakam's doing just fine. And yeah, being a back-to-back, and I think the third game in four nights, I think that probably started to add up for him there. And the schedule now, I was looking at it. For a guy who just, like, his brain is all scrambled, it's really nice to have just, like, every other day games for the next, like, week and a half, two weeks. It's beautiful, at least to me. Uh, That's besides the point. Gary Trent Jr. He has this game. He gets back in the starting five. He's been playing quite well of late off the bench as well when he's been asked to come in. And obviously he has been sort of dubbed the dude who's going to get traded for sure before the deadline. And while that's still very much on the table, perhaps the most likely outcome, I do wonder v, if you're maybe sort of if you're the front office, you've been preparing to ship off Gary Trent Jr. in some sort of kick-it-down-the-road deal, much like they did with Norm Powell for Gary Trent Jr. a couple of years ago. You've been you know, ruminating in this all season long. you got the board of all your targets. Is there maybe an element of cold feet to trading away Gary Trent Jr., especially... Considering this is a team that doesn't have a lot of three point shooting, he's one of the only guys on the team who can three point shoot consistently. He's been coming back a little bit more towards his regular averages from downtown as well of late. Uh, you know, I, there's this constant struggle, I think, with this season the idea of do you try to preserve the, a team that can be competitive to try to maximize what is an incredible Pascal Siakam season, a season in which you want to get some playoff reps and experience for your guys do you ship off guys who might make that more viable once you get to the spring? Where are you at right now with the with the Gary Trent Jr. thing? I know it's kind of felt like it's, he's a likely guy to get shipped off at some point, but I, I don't know, man. <laughs> if he's going to play like this, that becomes a much harder proposition, I think.
1: Yeah, I feel like I've mostly been in the minority of uh, you know making the case for Gary to stay, where mm. I think when you look at, you know, the trades the Raptors have done in the past, whether it's Terrence Ross, DeMar DeRozan, Norman Powell, like those are deals where you traded them at the point of peak value, right? And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that Gary Trent Jr. is at his peak value right now when you consider his Mm -hmm. age and the development that's there to be gained. Um, The question then becomes, as a front office, are you able to re-sign him to a deal that uh, keeps him, as tradable as he is now more mm-hmm. tradable or less tradable right sure uh, and it's about finding that uh, equilibrium point as far as a deal is concerned um, and then the other thing too uh, that I've harped on time and time again the three shooters on this team Brett mm-hmm. <laughs> VanVleet OG and an Gary Trent Jr. the you holy trade- trinity as they're known uh, <laughs> sorry rush move over uh- <laughs> you trade one of them you yeah. better be getting a shooter back, right? Yeah. Like when you see deals thrown out there that involve one of them and don't involve a shooter coming back, I, I'm just like, okay, how much worse is the spacing now? You know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, um, and and so that's another thing that I'm uh, skeptical of. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, if there's a deal that involves him plus someone else and you know you're addressing your needs and maintaining the shooting that you do have then Mm -hmm. great Um, Mm -hmm. I think if that deal was there the Raptors probably would have done it by now Uh, (laughs) uh, you know we'll see what comes uh, you know in the final month before the trade deadline that's usually when uh, front offices really get serious about uh, conversations and deals but yeah there's a lot to like about what Gary brings specifically to this team.
0: Yeah, and like the way he plays off of their best player is sort of thing number one. And those two dudes, Jakob and Trent, like that's a beautiful connection that has been really good for two seasons now. You know... Not to go all Benoit Blanc here, but it's another layer of the onion for the Raptors ahead of the deadline with, uh, you know, Trent playing this well <laughs> and you have the Fred Van Fleet thing hanging over everything as well. It, it's just, it's not an easy set of decisions here. And I think Eric Kareen made a really interesting point in his uh, sort of year-end sum up after the Suns game, digging into, over The Athletic, by the way, go subscribe to Eric's stuff, he's the best. Um, but he dug into the idea of sort of, the downside, if you are going to trade off Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet and do the, you know, get rid of our free agents thing before the deadline, you get into a conundrum with your best player, Pascal Siakam, where the idea of selling him on a team that's lesser, selling him potentially on sitting out games in March and April, when he has a super max potential extension on the line, yep. if he makes all NBA... That is also a big complication here. Again, many layers of this onion to unfold and be figured out for the Raptors. I'm super glad I'm not in the front office because this is the type of stuff that keeps people up at night. Uh, thankfully, not me because I'm uh, not that uh, talented or uh, <laughs> frankly driven to get to that point in my career. Uh, we're going to come back on the other side, Big V, dig into some other takeaways from this game against the Suns. we got the good, the bad, the hmm coming up later on as well. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at... At prize picks who have made daily fantasy sports fun, easy, interesting, and most of all, accessible. Basically, it's you playing in like a little daily fantasy sports playground instead of you know the, the slog of a full season fantasy sports league, which I've completely retired from. No more mess, no more messing with NFL fantasy or anything like that for me. This is a perfect way to kind of scratch that itch without having the full commitment. Each night you pick two to six players and decide whether they're going to go over, score more or less than the projected points or rebounds or assists or whatever it is that they are projected for via prize picks. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry if you get all of your picks correct. There's no competing against other people. It's just you against the projections that are available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport you want. You got the NBA, of course, but if you want to dabble with some NHL, maybe be some college football, college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, the WNBA. It's all there and so much more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals and currently they are operational in over 30 states and in Canada in every province except for Ontario as of right now. Download the Picks app or go to the prizepix.com website to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit 100 prize picks will give you $100 that's as simple as that don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for that instant deposit match up to $100 at prize all right we continue on here with Vivek Jacob of raptors.com picking apart a nice win to close out the year for the Toronto Raptors by the way all the doom and gloom. The Raptors finished 49-37 and 37 in the calendar year of 2022. Uh, obviously, a lot of that on the strength of an incredible finish to last season. Not so much helped by the start to this one, but uh, nice nonetheless to kind of get that big sort of full view of how the things have gone over the last year or so. Big V any other sort of key takeaways from this game for you? I think there were a couple things to certainly dive into um, sort of interesting schematics or whatever, but anything that kind of came to mind for you is sort of like a big overarching takeaway from the game against the Suns on Friday. Um,
1: yeah, you know, beyond like the team stepping up with Pascal exhausted, you mentioning the OG foul trouble. Yeah. Uh, it was, I don't want to call it a bit fortunate, but uh, so some of the turnovers Phoenix had mm. were just so ridiculous. And, <laughs> you, know, you know, Michael Grange had tweeted this where it's like the last three wins for the Raptors, it's been like a 50-point night for Pascal, um, mm-hmm. a season high for the Raptors in terms of forcing turnovers with 25. And then uh, the other one was... Uh, you know, like a season high, or even like he said it's the most the Raptors have made in almost two years 19 three pointers against the Caps. Yeah. <laughs> so, hopefully there's an easier way to win games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and we're about to see that. But you know, <clears throat> I think again, we've we've seen momentum stopped enough times this season to mm-hmm. know that. You know, this one win doesn't really mean much. It's going to mm-hmm. have to be a sus- sustained stretch. Probably the one thing we really should talk about is the Nick Nurse uh, 20 minute video call out yes. um, before the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, realizing that this is a team that has just continued to let momentum slip or let effort slip. And, yeah, y-
0: you know, he-, he felt the need to do that. And um, I'm glad he did. Yeah, I know there's, and I've certainly talked about this, and I know there's a lot of sort of like, man, Nick Nurse is too mean sentiment out there. And maybe that's fair. I'd probably handle things a little differently than him if I were uh, the head coach. But again, I'm not in one of these uh, positions of enormous import with the Toronto Raptors for a reason. Um, yeah, I, I do think the idea of, you know him sort of showing tough love and calling guys to account ultimately that's not a bad thing especially considering that we see one percent of the relationship between him and his players we can't really draw any conclusions as to how those relationships work and you know what's something like a call out in the media or a 20 minute film session where he lambastes them is going to do to that relationship i trust that nick nurse has a handle on that um when it comes to like the the lack of sustainability over the last three wins. You mentioned the Pascal 50 burger, the you know bazillion threes in Cleveland, the bazillion turnovers against the team that doesn't turn it over six, Chris Paul turnovers. You're yeah. not going to get that often. <laughs> um, I don't care that they're unsustainable. At this point, like, just get some damn wins. Because they had plenty of games where the process was nice, it all looked good, and then they didn't win. Uh, You're at the point now where just, like, scrape by the wins that you can, and hopefully things like 20-minute film sessions pointing out all the bad stuff help you to kind of cultivate a bit more of a sustainable style of play night-to-night. And I will say, as... You know, as gaudy as those turnovers num- turnover numbers were for the Suns, I don't think it was just that. Like, I do think there was legitimate Agreed. hard effort from the Raptors that you can carry over from, you know, game to game in theory. And like, if you're kind of playing with the sort of verve and I think attention to detail that they were playing with against the Suns. You know, Part of the reason they got so many turnovers is because they were playing their sort of ideal style and brand of basketball. And a lot of it is tied to effort. A lot of it is tied to sort of taking that extra step on a closeout or whatever it might be. And it, it felt like they kind of hit that sort of energy level that you hope to see from them, and if they continue to kind of carry that over from one game to the next to the next, that's the sort of energy I think can provide you a sustainable brand of basketball that you can actually win every night with and not need these insane feats of strength to do so. Um, you know, thoughts on on sort of that idea of sort of there being more than just the turnovers to pull away from this game against the Suns? Uh,
1: yeah, no, I, I think again, when you point to the effort the energy, um, I think a very simple way of looking at it is you look at Yvita Zubac getting 10 offensive rebounds for Mm -hmm. the Clippers. You look at Steven Adams getting eight offensive rebounds, uh, in the previous game against the Grizzlies. And then you look at Deandre Ayton being Mm -hmm. largely unsuccessful, uh, in this one. And so I think, uh, there was a clear mandate or challenge issued, uh, in that regard and the Raptors really delivered on executing their plans, uh, on how to defend him. I I thought Scotty had some really good moments as well. Uh, defensively in, in that plan, obviously, uh, Coloco had himself a good night. So, Mm uh, there's definitely positives within that for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. and the other thing I want to add as well, because this is, uh, important with regards to Nick nurse is when he elaborated further, uh, Uh, at practice about the video session and, you know, Fred Van Vliet made the joke about uh, Nick needed to do it because I used up all my bullets at at training camp. (laughs) 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 And and Nick also made the point that, Hey, uh, I know everyone's like looking at it as like this really intense thing, but they're not all bullets. Yeah. Like it can be a bad thing and I don't have to present it in that way. And so Nick uh, has been very successful for a very long time, and if you look at the body of work specifically with the Raptors, excluding the one fake season in Tampa, he is Mm -hmm. three for three in maximizing what he can get out of a roster.
0: Yeah. And I would argue before (laughs) COVID destroyed the Tampa season, he was maximizing the most out of a roster in which Stanley Johnson was the seventh man as well. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) so, you know, when I see some of this fires nurse stuff, it's just ridiculous. And Mm. um, yeah, uh, I think uh, Nick's doing, you know, the best he can right now. There are areas for improvement for sure. And the other thing that also sort of people take for granted, it's like, why can't a coach get better, too? That's uh, the thing. Yeah, like, (laughs) you know, it's like everyone associates growth with only players. Mm-hmm. and i'm just like man like this is also his fourth fifth season in the nba like there are things that he takes from he talks about how every off season he marks out a plan on what he wants to get better at
0: mm-hmm. and so
1: we're we don't have to just look at development from a player perspective like he can yeah. get better too and he acknowledges that too
0: yeah I, I agree there for sure i do think like you know Game against the Grizzlies, I was kind of at my lowest point, Nick Nurse-wise, I think, maybe ever. Um, and, you know, that's, I think, just a byproduct of being frustrated and the season kind of seemingly slipping away. I-, I think, ultimately, yeah, he has more than earned the right to sort of right this ship and try some new stuff out and exhibit some growth and evolution as a coach. I do think it's, you know, I I, I think the reason for... Maybe the skepti- skepticism that he can do that is that like he kind of gives off this sort of stubborn, stuck-in-his-ways vibe when he talks. But again, I feel like there are very few coaches for whom like the post-game pressers are uh, less meaningful than Nick Nurse. I feel like he's never really actually saying what's actually going on. He's never answering X's and O's questions. He's always just kind of, you know, doing his best to say what he can do so he doesn't get fined and get out there. Um, and so it's hard to sort of parse exactly, you know, those little notes of growth from those conversations that he has with the media as well. Uh, and like, you know, to his credit, the last couple weeks, there have been some subtle tweaks and changes in the way things have run. And it's, it's there have been some you know, results are three and three in their last six. They've had a pretty tough schedule. Um, they played well against some good teams before that stretch as well so it does seem like things are stabilizing a little bit here even though every loss feels so heavy with where they're at in the standings um but yeah i think uh you know this is good stuff uh you know we had a lot of nick nurse talk on friday with jamara we can kind of carry it forward and and sort of put a bow on it there but um yeah let dudes grow give patience that's kind of uh, you know the raptors mo and in large part as a franchise it might be worth following that a little bit if you're kind of uh, on your hot seat like I might have been on Thursday night. Uh, Let's continue on and get into our good, the bad, and the hmm to round out the show here. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our pals over at Built Bar, who, of course, you know by now, make the best tasting protein bars in the game. I am not someone who likes a protein bar. Typically, I find that they taste like crap, and I just would rather be having a candy bar, but Built Bar has changed that because they actually do taste like candy bars. They feel indulgent. They feel like you're cheating, but you're not. You're getting some healthy stuff. It's only 130 calories in your standard bar, and they have all sorts of delicious flavors as well. They got new flavors like churro. Churro! It's like one of the best flavors there is. You got peanut butter brownie, one of my absolute favorites, and coconut almond, and I don't really know how Bilt does it, but they have managed to amazingly maintain the macros of things being healthy while making it feel as though you are having a cheat day. Uh, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, whopping 17 grams of protein in your standard bar. That is just way better than going to have yourself a Snickers bar or something like that. Head over to Walmart or Sam's Club or wherever because it's all over the place. You can also go to Built.com and pick up yourself some Built Bars as well. Uh, But Walmart, they are carrying them now. If you just want to go walk into your local Walmart establishment. Pick up a four-bar 4, uh, four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs, whatever it is. Built.com is the place to go. Go and check them out. All right, let's continue on here. Round at the show with the good, the bad, and the hmm. The way we close it, every one of these game recap shows for your Toronto Raptors. Big V, let's start with your good what you got.
1: My good is uh, getting back to Gary Trent Jr. And Mm. an underrated development this season has been his free throw attempts. Mm -hmm. He was nine for nine uh, against the Suns. He is now up to a career high 3.6 attempts. I know that's Mm -hmm. not a significant amount, but considering his first couple of seasons, he literally averaged 0.5 and (laughs) 0.7 attempts per game. Uh you know, this is a step forward. And I think it's an important addition to his name, his game. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's sort of a little area where you can say, hey, these are things that he's continuing to develop. Obviously, we want to see some of those raw stats show up in terms of rebounding and assists. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I think that is a good that uh, was on full display against the Phoenix Suns.
0: Yeah, and it's, I think... Interesting that he's doing that while not quite playing the same sort of commandeering offense that he maybe was guilty of in in previous seasons. Like this year, it's way more within the flow. There's a lot of catch and shoot to it, but there's also, you know, some ample opportunity for him to just go and create for himself he's got that floater as sort of a counter to his mid-range game and the way teams sort of what run him off of that that's been nice and that's getting him to the line a little bit and i just think in general he's looked way more sort of within the flow of the offense and you know they needed him to kind of take things over and become their go-to option for reasons that we've already talked about on friday but in general i think it's impressive that he's been able to rack up those free throws without sort of just being a guy who every single time he touches the ball, he's driving into the teeth of the defense trying to look for something. Like, he's actually doing a little bit more in terms of, you know, making the next pass and feeling like he's actually part of a system working towards a common goal, which is nice. Uh, my good is uh, Scotty Barnes' defense on DeAndre Ayton. Uh, he continues to be a center right now. Uh, you know, it causes some, you know, problems when you try to piece the puzzle pieces together, if you were to go and trade for a center, for example. But as a stopgap right now, he is the best center on the team. And he's playing, uh, you know, that's his best lot on defense right now. He's not getting blown by in the perimeter when he's hanging around the rim. He's done a pretty decent job of contesting around the rim. Um, what are your thoughts right now on the way Scotty, or I guess in particular, on the way he sort of handled a pretty difficult matchup in DeAndre Ayton?
1: Yeah. Again, I think when he just leans into being a paint guy on both ends, <laughs> mm, yeah, uh, it just caters to his strengths, and I think it gets him more engaged. It, it forces him to sort of be involved in the ways that are best suited to his skill set right now. And mm-hmm. I've, I've made the point before about you know us seeing a lot less of the mid range jumper um, over or the last bunch. And again, when you're constantly being involved in and around the paint, I think it, it just sort of gravitates him towards the basket. And I think when you're constantly in a physical matchup like that, it also, you know, uh, encourages you to be um, involved defensively in that way as well. You know, mm-hmm. and I think it's been uh, a step in the right direction for Scotty and hopefully. Uh, it can continue. I mean, hopefully, you know, we we can get away from those first halves where <laughs> he, he's got, you know, two points or zero points or, <laughs> and, you know, putting on a show in the third quarters and fourth quarters and whatnot. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, defensively, definitely a step forward.
0: Yeah, inside six feet, he's currently allowing a sixty point eight defensive field goal percentage, which is better than Pascal Siakam by a pretty significant order. Chris Boucher, Thad Young, uh, you know, outside of uh, OG Ananobi. He's essentially, you know, Precious Achua is in there too, although Precious has not played very much, but best defense field goal percentage inside six feet on the team outside of OG among regulars who have played a whole lot. Wancho's in there too, but that's a small sample comparatively. Either way, uh, let's go on to the bad. Uh, my bad in this one, I mean, I'm kind of maybe over the Wancho-Hernan Gomez thing. Uh, he only played five minutes in this game, didn't do a whole lot. And I feel like I'm only enjoying Wancho at this point when he's uh, getting fed bounce passes by Thad Young. Otherwise, like, it's just kind of... What's he really doing out there? Um, I know he does the positional defense thing well, but when the threes aren't falling, he wasn't even taking threes in, the, in his five-minute stint against the Suns. Um, I just I don't really see it right now with Wancho, and I kind of think once Precious is back, we're not going to see much more Wancho in the rotation. Thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I, I think he's, his best moments came when he was in the starting lineup with that mm. and the three best players on the team. And yeah. I think that's what he's best suited to where, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, hey, play defense and whatever you do offensively is kind of a bonus when you're asking for anything more than that, that uh, is weaknesses kind of show. I mean, it is disappointing that he's shooting the ball the way he has this season yeah. uh, I mean, he's a career 35% guy and he's under 30 uh, mm-hmm. for this season so far. So
0: that part of it. Is that's un- just the Raptors way, baby. He's just yeah. he's assimilating to the team culture. How can you blame him for that? <laughs> he's going to go to the Nets next season and shoot 50 percent. from three. <laughs> Oh, it would be funnier if it weren't totally true. Uh, <laughs> what's your bad?
1: Um, You know what? Uh, I'm going to take
0: uh, a day off the bad. Oh, start the new year. No hating. A new resolution from Big V. Wow. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: No, I I think, you know, we know what the weaknesses are at this point. So Mm -hmm. there's no real sense in doubling down on that. Um, And so, yeah, just uh, rooting for Precious Achua to be back. uh, And hopefully we do see him against the Pacers. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he's been practicing very hard. I can tell you that. And mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet also was like, hey, I'm coming back from injury,
0: but you knocked me on my ass anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so. See, and people just blame Nick Nurse for uh, Fred Van Vliet being busted. It's it's everybody just knocking <laughs> him around like he's a little pinball man. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I will move on to my hmm. Okay, and...
1: Uh, because I didn't have anything in the bad, I'll go with two hmms. Okay. Uh, one's in a good way and one's uh, not so much. Uh, Gary Trent Jr., last seven games, is shooting 45% from three. And so, Ooh. Uh, and, you know, we've talked about with Fred and Gary and uh, OG being at like these career low numbers from three and not shooting the ball the way you'd expect. Hopefully, you know, uh, this means that Gary is turning it around and, Um, Mm -hmm. I love that, you know, in that move from the bench to the starting lineup, it didn't seem to uh, impact him in any way. If anything, it gave him even more of a boost. And so hopefully that shooting is coming around and he can get back up to, you know, that 38 plus mark that we're accustomed to seeing from him. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other side of the hmm, uh, and this is a very short, uh, small sample size, but Malachi is one for his last 11 threes. And so hopefully he's not coming back down to earth. But, you know, Mm -hmm. I guess considering he was over 45%, maybe he does need to come down
0: a little bit. It was always going to happen at some point. Um, By the way, also to your point, last six games for OG since coming back from injury, 44.7% from three on 6.3 attempts. Good, positive signs. We love it. Um, Christian Coloco in that time, 100%, baby. Uh I love it. Yeah, my hmm is also Malachi Flynn related. It's been a couple games now of him kind of shooting lopsidedly in the negative. Uh, And Jeff Doughton got four minutes at the start of the fourth quarter in sort of... I guess Malachi was on the floor as well for some of that stretch too. But I am continually intrigued by Jeff Doughton. I don't know if they're... Is enough shooting there or you know offensive punch just yet we haven't seen a ton of it at the nba level um but like the length and meanness on defense is pretty real and i am you know i'm not so sold on malachi flynn you know notably me the biggest malachi flynn hater bringing in the new year's resolution of still hating on malachi flynn i suppose uh <laughs> but I, yeah i just i'm I'm not so sold on Flynn as like a guy who does it every single night for you. He's had plenty of times in his career where he's had a nice little stretch followed up by a couple of duds, and that kind of renders him not in the rotation for a bit, and jeff dowden just he does good stuff when he comes into the game he never shoots he doesn't do a whole lot offensively he passed up a three that kind of made me crazy and i feel like had he taken the three in that game on the against the suns maybe he's like a surefire rotation guy for nick nurse just on the strength of that one made open three um but i'm i'm continuously wanting to see a little bit more from him and especially I guess we're not really sure what the status of Fred VanVleet is just yet, but you know, as, as he continues to be out of the lineup, I think there's an opportunity here for Nick Nurse to throw a little more doubt in our way, and uh, I frankly relish it. I think he's a fun player. Um, any parting shots here? Any last things, anything you'd like to plug before we get out of here, Big V? Uh, yeah, I have a story
1: coming out on uh, Christian Coloco and a special connection that he shares with Bismack Biombo that I learned about in Bismack's trip to Toronto. Very cool. Phoenix Suns. And so you can look forward to that on raptors.com. Other than that, you can check out uh, my other stuff that's on the site.
0: And you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacobs. Amazing, Bismack is just the best man. God, what, what, a, what a dude! Uh, go check that out. You can find me at Woodley Sean on Twitter. You can follow, subscribe to, rate and review the show for free on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube, of course. We will be back again tomorrow as we break down the Raptors game against the Pacers. Maybe Precious is back. Fingers crossed. That would be a lot of fun to see. You might already know that by the time this episode posts. But hey, uh, we live in the past here on Locked On Raptors. We love being out of date. That's our whole thing. Uh, Also later this week, Joel Wolfon's going to pop by on Friday. We are going to examine the big case of to trade Fred Van Vliet or not trade Van Vliet. Uh, Joe and I have been sort of DMing about this for like two months back and forth with various thoughts, and I think it's going to be Long overdue to bring it to the podcast. Uh, likely a crossover as well this week with the Knicks guys, Gavin and Alex, as I try to pry Emmanuel quickly and Isaiah Hardenstein away from their team. Uh, it's all coming up later this week. Katie Hein will be back on Wednesday, of course, as well. We will leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday with our episode of Locked Raptors. Bye-bye.